Welcome to the Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We all enjoy hearing another person's success story, and we hope our conversations with leaders from across the electrical construction industry will help spark your interest and creativity in finding ways you can think like a leader. Hello, thanks for joining us again today for another conversation in Electra International series, Think Like a Leader. We are so honored to have Mark Mazur with us this morning. Mark is president of MJM Electric. They are headquartered over in the Tampa, Florida area, but they work all over the state of Florida and all over the Southeastern United States. So thank you so much, Mark, for joining us today. My pleasure and honor to be asked. Thank you. So we understand from the promotional materials for your company that there was a firm called Ken Robinson of Florida and you purchased that firm. Could you tell our audience a little bit about the decision to purchase it? Did you think of yourself as a leader before you bought that company or was it something that you grew into once you said, uh-oh, I now own this company, I better do something? Well, no, I think by the time I purchased the company, um, I already had some leadership qualities. You know, I, I had this great benefit of working for Ken Robinson of Florida from 1986 until I purchased the company. And during that time, I sat in just about every seat you could sit in as a contractor. I was a journeyman, I was a foreman, I was a general foreman, I was a superintendent, I was a service manager, um, I was a project manager, I was an estimator, and then ultimately was the general manager of the company. So for all practical purposes, I ran that company for the last probably five years prior to purchasing it. Um, so I, I believe I had developed some leadership qualities by the time I purchased the company. Have they developed more since then? I think so, absolutely. I think that's proven by our growth and um, some of the reach out we've done since becoming MJM Electric. Well, let's talk a little bit about that growth. Your company talks about having an incredibly good team both in the field and in the office. How do you as a leader keep a culture of close cooperation when a company has to expand its talent base in order to grow? How do you keep them working as that incredibly good team as you describe it? Yeah, without question, our strength is the continuity that we have developed here. Um, our staff, uh, you know, overall, we employ 100 to 150 people normally. We've been as high as 300, never lower than 100. It just depends on the, on the uh, job load. But out of those, there's 14 staff members, project managers, estimators, admins. And out of those 14, eight have been with us more than or 30 years or more. Um, the least tenured project manager I have has been here 22 years. So no one's ever left. We have some retirement that happens, uh, but I don't hire from outside the company, which some people disagree with. Um, nobody within my company disagrees with it, but other people advise me, maybe some fresh blood would be helpful. But what we have done is we have created an upward path for our people in the field. They know that everybody that works in this office has come through the field. 
the other good thing about that is when I bring somebody onto the staff, they already are fully aware of our culture, how we want to be represented, what they can expect from me. And so there's no, there's no unknown. Um, the other thing is uh, they already know, I already know who my next project manager is going to be. We know we have one retiring in about a year. We've already let the guy know who's going to move up from a superintendent role to project manager. He's being trained for that role right now. And it really lets people in the field know that there's a place to grow. Um, if we hire from outside the company, we might get the most competent technical project manager there is. But if he doesn't fit our culture, it, we're going to lose the cohesive piece we have in this office. Another thing that you speak about is the fact that MJM prides itself on its success in joint venturing. How do you select the companies with which you are willing to work? What's the criteria that you as a leader are looking for in partner companies? Well, we certainly have to have knowledge of that company. And that knowledge is gained by being active in NECA, um, by serving on different committees, attending the majority of the events from electric to government affairs to conventions uh, to council meetings. It gives our company exposure and I meet people. And nine out of 10 of the joint ventures I've done have been with somebody I had really intimate knowledge about them and their company. So when you're, doing a, when you're doing a joint venture, how do you balance out a team from both sides of the partnership? Uh, again, I'm gonna keep going back to trust. Uh, okay. Gotta trust each other. And then we have to make uh, a fair evaluation of what is best for the joint venture. Um, typically in a joint venture, the customer belongs to somebody and they come to a different area. And now that joint venture partner is local, has the manpower. So if it's best interest of the joint venture to have the person with the relationship with the company, the customer, um, then they would provide project management. Uh, depending on what the availability of supervision is between the two companies, that plays a role. The other thing is just simply the geographic location. Um, it's hard to be competitive if I'm joint venturing with somebody from Ohio and they have to send more people here than we really need that I can supply and vice versa. So we really take make a checklist of go who's going to permit it, who's going to handle the customer, who's doing supervision, who's doing purchasing, and you put a check down on each one and then kind of weigh it out and uh, figure out what is best for the joint venture. And then for me, um, I realized that we're in this litigious society and we have to have these contracts. They don't mean anything to me. What, what I wanna know is I'm not gonna do anything to hurt you and you're not gonna do anything to hurt me. And we, I will come up with a single sheet of paper with a dozen bullet points on it that really explain what everybody can expect. You gotta have the contract for the purpose of the state and maybe the GC or the customer, but all of it really relates to trust. So it sounds like you are being very proactive to make sure that any potential differences are gonna get resolved 
and you're going to know exactly where you and your partner stand, both of you being leaders on that one sheet of paper, that, that that's your guiding point. Correct. And okay. to identify what that potential hurdle could be before you ever start. Um, you, know, you also have to look at a mix of personalities. Um, a job needs chemistry. So often we'll bring the team together and really just kind of assess how is everybody communicating? Is this going to work out? Seem like there's some friction here and then either modify that or change accordingly. Um, again, in the best interest of the job. I do have this great advantage of a peer group. And I can tell you all but two of the joint ventures I've done have been with a peer group member. And I know these gentlemen for 20 plus years. I trust them with my life. And I would much rather lose my own money than lose money for them. So I stay so engaged and just really want to make them happy as I know they want to help me be successful. We know very well how active you are with both NECA and Electri International. Tell us a little bit about how it's important for a leader to be active in their own community, not the professional community, but in their own world. Are you active in certain ways within your community? I, I believe we're mega active. Okay. Um, there was a time years ago when I almost took a shotgun approach to philanthropy and then kind of realized that that probably wasn't the right way to do it. So what we do here um, really helps make our employees proud, proud of us, proud of themselves. We try to focus the majority of our charity work and outreach to any cause that has something to do with one of the employees. Um, if one of the employees' churches need something, we just take care of that. If they're heavily involved in a particular little league or a particular school, that's where we focus most of our energy. And really, that's how you want to be known in a community. I want anybody that sees MJM Electric logo somewhere to know that we're doing things to help, we're trying to do our best, and it helps with brand recognition. So that's been our approach to kind of funnel it down a little bit more to things that affect our people because they get more involved and they're very proud of it as well. You mentioned the peer group and you are obviously very active as a member of the Electric Council and you have the opportunity to help set the direction and the agenda for the foundation. How valuable, in your opinion, is the research and education that Electri produces? How valuable is it for the electrical construction industry? Uh, it is extremely valuable. Unfortunately, it is not very well used. Um, I believe that maybe the focus of this year or this three years ought to be on how do we how do we educate our members more to where it is? Maybe make it easier to access. Not that it's difficult, but it doesn't seem like enough people use it. I know that I'll bring up some electric study or a white paper at one of my um, local NECA meetings, and they don't know they don't know anything about it. Um, I think we ought to do a study on how can we market what's in there, and then continue to put the good stuff in. I just don't think enough people use it. Um, 
we refer to it frequently. And I think if more people did, they, they'd be better off. Um, are there particular, putting aside the issue of do they use it, back it up one step and tell me, are there particular topics that you would like to see electric study over the next couple of years with the clear understanding that they have to do more to make sure people know about them and use them? But are there certain areas that you say, you know, Carolyn, you know, Josh, you really ought to be looking at X. Yeah, you know, the, the primary focus of the, of the case studies um, seems to be um, very much construction oriented. You know, what is the impact of a high rise? What is the impact of weather? What's the difference between the way union and non-union does it? I think we might need to look more at how do we best function in an incredibly rapidly changing world. And I don't mean just technology, um, you know, the pandemic, what's next? Um, what should we be prepared for there? I'm not sure, and, and maybe, uh, maybe I should have researched this more first, but, you know, have we put out a study on the attributes of working from home? Um, how do we treat an employee from home? What, what should we be providing them to work from home. Um, I think to stay current with what's going on in our world as it relates to doing business other than just um, construction type um, surveys would be did, helpful because who knows what's next. Did the impact of the pandemic make you change the way you think about leading your company? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, some of the knee-jerk reactions that we did were, were not right, <laughs> but we, you know, we felt like we had to do things differently. Some of that was having people work from home. Some of that worked out. Some of it didn't. Um, as the rules changed, we made multiple changes on the job sites that retrospectively, I wish I would have waited a little bit before I, because it was just a constant change. Every week we were doing something different, trying to be, trying to comply and trying to be forward thinking. And I think I probably should have slowed down a little bit and let things happen before I tried to jump in and solve a problem. I really didn't know what the whole issue was. Would you apply that same caution to things other than the pandemic? Have there been other times where you said, we got to do this. And then a month later, two months later, you're like, holy cow, why did I do that? Well, i tell you that I've got the great answer for this. Okay, um, good. Um, you know, Ken Robinson was certainly my mentor. I worked for him almost my entire electrical career before becoming MJM. And when I was a service manager, I would, man, I was making decisions like that. And uh, sometimes they'd be too quick. And Ken told me one time, look, Mark, you're doing great, but just count to 10 before you make a decision and give yourself a little time to let it settle and then make your call. Still might not be the right one, but at least slow down enough to assess what the outcome is going to be from that. So don't make a knee jerk reaction, count to 10, and then based on what you know, make the best decision you can. You spoke about your team, your staff in the office, in the field, 
and the fact that you look for talent within your own company and you pro- for, promote from within. Can you tell our audience some of the specific traits that you look for when you're looking at the bank of available employees that you have and you say, you know, that person is really going to go far. They're, they really have it. They're going to be a good leader. Are there certain things that someone does or does not do that helps you decide whether or not they are capable of being promoted and ready to be promoted? Yeah, no, no question about it. As we promote someone out of the field, they have probably been with us for 10 years, give or take, and, and maybe more. So by then we have assessed how dependable they are because we all know the best electrician in the world that only comes in three days a week is really not that valuable. <laughs> so dependability, by then you can tell if that person is loyal to your company or not. Um, how he carries himself, has he represented the company the way he knows that I would like him to represent the company, and what? How does he? How did the field people? How do the people around him react to him? Additionally, in this day and age, um, we're looking for communication skills, and I don't just mean verbal. You know, does this person have the ability to correspond and write cohesively? Um, in the in the constant email and expectation of a client, um, we very much look for that. You know, I will tell you that I think we all have people out there that we don't realize how good they are. And I think we need to not underestimate people. I know that as some of the technology is rolled out and all our foremen have tablets and they use plan grid and no one carries prints around anymore, my initial thought is that our guys aren't going to be able to figure all that out. Now, once that technology got out in the field, if you took it away from them, they'd quit. So don't underestimate how smart electricians are. you got to give people opportunity in order to figure out whether they can be the next leader. And you, you have to trust them and you have to make sure they trust you. You mentioned the advice that Ken Robinson gave to you about counting to 10 before making a decision. Is that piece of advice the best advice about leadership that you ever received? Or would you give us another example of what you think is the best advice you ever received and taken to heart about being a leader? Well, that is certainly one of the, one of the most memorable pieces I ever got. Um, you know, some of the others that I think everybody has heard of is you got to know what you don't know. You've got to surround yourself with people that have skills that you don't have. If everybody had my level of skill, we would have never got this uh, Zoom meeting going today. Um, so you need to surround yourself with people that have the skills that you don't have, and you need to trust them and empower them to do the job you're asking them to do. Uh, Where do you see the electrical construction industry five years from now? Is it going to continue to grow? Is it going to be impacted by new technologies that we don't even know about yet? What do you think is going to happen? I don't think electricity and power are going anywhere. Um, I think we're going to continue to prosper. I think it will continue to be cyclical. We're going to have sometimes they're not as um, busy as others but you're not going to replace power with um, fiber optics, um, with, you know, electric cars, uh, 
certainly technology is going to play a role in it, but I, I don't see any diminishing in our future for the uh, for the industry. They're they're going to need electricians, and we're at the top of the food chain of construction workers. Mark, we very much appreciate your time this morning. Any final advice that you, as a leader, would like to offer to others so they understand what it takes to think like and act like a leader? Actually, I do have one piece. Um, you know, don't be afraid to get outside opinion. Um, there are many companies that have a outside board of directors. In other words, the board is not made up of people that work in the, in the, within that company. For me, that outside board of directors is our peer group. These are all intelligent business leaders and I don't need a board of directors. I can, I can ask these other 11 gentlemen a question and I'll get 11 great opinions um, that I can then weigh out what's the best decision. But get so, you know, don't be afraid to go get information from people that um, can look at your company from outside to see things that you may not see. Well, Mark, we really appreciate your time and your candor and the good advice that you've offered to our audience. As you know, uh, these interviews are part of the Electri International series, Think Like a Leader, and it will be both on the Electri website, and it will also be converted into a podcast so that people who are driving somewhere or on an airplane can just plug in and listen, and they can all learn a little bit more about how to think like a leader. So thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us for today's Think Like a Leader conversation. You can access every interview in this series on our website, electri.org, or you can subscribe on your favorite podcast app. This is a remarkable look inside the electrical construction industry, and it's yours for the listening.